0: Following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Revivalnow.church. Revival in Woodbridge. Revivalnow.church. Revival in Woodbridge. Revivalnow.church. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. In the heart of every man and woman resides a deep enmity or hatred toward God. Now, very few recognize that because we don't really talk about it. But it's there, and it's very evident. If it were possible, man would use this bitter hatred toward God to destroy his very existence. Now, some of you may say, what, pastor? I don't have hatred toward God. If you are still walking in any known sin... It's because there is a deep hatred in your heart toward God. The only way that hatred can be removed is through crucifixion, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. A man is then changed. He is born from above. and A man who is born from above no longer walks in any known sin. So it is true. Now, there are several reasons why you may not know that you have this hatred toward God, that that is the condition of your heart, because you've probably never indulged yourself in the feelings of bitter anger and hatred toward God And you've probably also never even imagined that it was possible for you to destroy God. There are many things which a sinner has not designed or desired to do because they didn't think it was possible. Did you ever have the ambition to be a king? Did you ever think you could be a king? Probably you never have, and for the very reason that you have never thought it possible. Suppose a throne and a crown and a scepter were put within your reach, and the robe of royalty was tendered to your acceptance. Do you not think you would have pride and and ambition enough? that under such circumstances you would desire to be a king? And suppose when you accepted the crown and swayed the scepter over one nation, you had the opportunity of extending your empire, making your dominion universal over all the nations. Do you not believe that you would instantly desire to do it? Now suppose that When all the governments of this world were subject to your scepter, suppose an opportunity should offer for you to extend your dominion over the entire universe of worlds. Should you conceive it possible to subject God himself to your control, will you do it or do you think you're too good? Sinners who would who would desire to control God. That is our heart, the heart of a sinner, the heart of a man or woman who still walks in known sin against God. There would be no limit to your ambition if once you were set free. But again, sinners do not realize the greatness of their enmity and anger and hatred toward God, because as yet, God lets them go unpunished. And if you're a sinner, you don't believe that God will ever really punish you, that he would never, ever send you to hell for your sins. If God will let you have your own way, as long as it does not interfere, then what's the problem but who among a sinners a group of sinners would not rise up and murder god if it was in their power if he should attempt to punish them for their sins no if no one stirs our wrath and makes us angry we don't need to have judgments But the moment someone comes and begins to address the issue of our sin, anger rises up and resentment rises up and we hear things like, Who do you think you are? Why are you allowed to say these things to me? (laughs) No. We don't have a pleasant spirit when someone begins to deal with our sin. Unless by the grace of God, deep conviction begins to fall. We see all through the life of Jesus, and we're going to be talking about that much of the week. We see that people love to find healing for their sickness, but grew bitterly angry when Jesus began to deal with their sin and their soul. Heal my body, Jesus, but leave me alone. I'm the master of my own life. I'm not going to bow before you. You're not my master. I am free. (laughs) It's evident that the hatred of sinners against God is a part of the wicked nature we possess until born from above sinners do not want to obey Jesus they don't want to be told that something they're doing is leading them astray and causing them to be barred from the presence of God and so The whole weight of their influence and example is opposed to the government of God. They do everything that the nature of the case admits to annihilate the authority of God and destroy his government. Rebellion is always aimed at the life of the sovereign, and it is impossible for sinners to be absolutely in rebellion against God. They could not be any more in rebellion. They they have gone to the full extent. 4,000 babies are murdered in America every day. That's right, 4,000. There are more black babies in New York City aborted every year than they are born. It's genocide against the black race. And yet, everyone seems to defend the right of a mother to murder her baby. Now again, this hatred toward God. It has evidenced itself in full bloom. God once put himself in the power of men. The second person of the Godhead took to him human nature and put his human nature within the power of men. And what was the result? They rested not until they had murdered him. Do you say that those were Jews? That you are of a different spirit? This has always been the favorite plea of the sinner, The ancient Jews persecuted and murdered the prophets. The Jews of Christ's day professed to honor the prophets, built their sepulchers, insisted that if they had lived in the day of the prophets, they would not have persecuted them. But they persecuted and murdered Jesus. And Jesus himself informs them that by persecuting him, They showed that they approved the deeds of their fathers. Now, sinner, suppose you lived under a government that was a monarchy. Suppose your fathers had rebelled against the rightful king and placed a usurper upon the throne, and that you their children, although you did not participate in the original rebellion, yet now you maintain the same ground which they took. You support the usurper, and you refuse obedience to your rightful sovereign. Now, is not this in regard to law the same with all intent and purpose justifying the conduct of your fathers becoming a partaker of their crimes incurring the same guilt and deserving deserving the same condemnation? Now, suppose you did not originally murder Jesus. Still, Is it not a fact that you are now refusing to obey him as your rightful sovereign, that you support the authority of Satan who has usurped the government of this world by refusing to repent, by withholding your service and your heart from Jesus Christ? Do you not, to all intents and purposes, become a partaker in the crimes of those who murdered him? He claimed their obedience, and they arose... and killed him and shed his blood he claims your obedience do you utterly refuse to grant that obedience and thus show that you approve the deeds of the Jews and that were he here now in your power sooner than submit to his authority you would participate in murdering him If we will murder babies with no outcry, what makes you think we would not murder Jesus again if the opportunity provided itself? You see, this makes a person who is still a sinner full of enmity against God a common participant with the crucifixion of Jesus in the eyes of conscience, of reason, of common sense, in the eyes of God, in the judgment of heaven and and of earth and hell, you are guilty of the blood of Jesus. And your attitude of refusing to grant obedience to Jesus says you would do this all over again if you had the opportunity. Now, jesus speaking about these issues and i recognize these are very sobering issues and some of you are going to want to push it away and say pastor no 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 i'm righteous i'm holy really have you refused to grant to him the authority over your life and do you pursue the things of this world the world today is a buzz. America is a buzz with the victory of the Vikings over the Saints yesterday. They called it a miracle game. Miracle did God have something to do with that victory? I don't think so. We worship at the altar of our modern sports in America. refusing to grant god what is due him and i can tell you today wherever men i won't speak about the women wherever the men are going to gather they're going to be talking about football they're not going to be talking about jesus they're not going to be praying for one another that's just not in the in the realm of possibility The modern American man wants to talk about the manly sport of football. Not about the manly sacrifice of Jesus Christ giving himself on the cross. That we could turn from our sin and be transformed into his likeness. But we don't want to talk about that. It's interesting to me. In John, the 8th chapter, verse 21 then Jesus said to them again, I'm going away, and you will seek me, but you will die in your sin. Where I go, you are not able to come. Now just hear the words of Jesus, please. Don't don't argue with me. Just hear the words for what they say. The words of Jesus are, I am going away. He's speaking with them one on one. He's in their physical presence. He is speaking to them the gospel. And he's saying to them, I'm leaving. And you're going to seek me, but you're going to die in your sins. You're not going to be able to find me. Now, I'm going to trace this through these chapters of John, and you're going to find repeatedly that Jesus talks about passing on, leaving And those who did not obey, those who did not leave their sin, he is saying, you're going to seek me. Some point in your life you're going to seek me, but I won't be there. You're going to die in your sin. And I'm obviously immediately reminded of the children of Israel. The visible presence of God is in the fire by night and the cloud by day they see his shekinah glory they see the fire fall on the sacrifices and yet they died in the desert they never made it to the promised land why? because they would not believe the word of God they would not leave their sin. so the jews are saying will he kill himself because he says where i'm going you're not able to come and he says to them verse 23 you're out from below i'm out from above you are from among this world i am not from among this world so i said to you that you will die in your sins to be sure if you will not believe that i am he you will die in your sins You see, we don't slowly grow out of our sins. Sin is not something you can grow out of. Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He's saying amputation is the only way you can deal with sin. You cannot deal with it by a progressive process of self-help or strategies for success. Sin must be simply cut off but you speak to a man and a woman who are not married who are living together they'll become quite angry and incensed and they'll say it's none of your business we'll do what we want to do that whole attitude is what I'm talking about it is, a, it is an attitude of hatred toward almighty God or a man who says okay I'll go to church I'll give some money I'll keep my pledge and then the rest of the week I'm going to go live my life the way I need to live it to take care of my family never mind that Jesus called him to be a fisher of men but he feels no duty to be a fisher of men He feels no duty to walk as a testimony to the wondrous glory of his Savior Jesus. No, he's a churchman. And he wants to improve his life. He wants to do some things that will cause him to be better regarded. He wants to be respected. But at the very core, the man still belongs to himself. Jesus says, You will die in your sin. Now, when you come down to verse 31, let me read this to you. In verse 31, Jesus is now speaking to the Jews who were believing that he was the Messiah. These are religious people. They believe Jesus is the Messiah. They've seen the miracles. They've never seen anything like this in their lives. So verse 31 in John 8, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? jesus replied i tell you the truth everyone who sins is a slave to sin now a slave has no permanent place in the family but a son belongs to it forever so if the son sets you free you will be free indeed Now wait, these are people who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But when Jesus disturbs their thought by saying, I will set you free, the truth will make you free, they're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're free already. No man is free without Jesus Christ. Every man is free has hatred toward God who is not serving Jesus Christ as a sold out, crucified, changed made into a new creature person they're crying out wait a minute, we're not we're not slaves to anybody we're free already and Jesus replies if you sin you are a slave to sin you are not free And if you sin, and you're a slave to sin, you can be in the family. But it's not going to be a permanent place in the family. In other words, you can come to church. You can even be the preacher. But if you're walking in any known sin or rebellion against the Most High God if you're not earnestly reading the scriptures, if you're not searching after Jesus, if there's not a zealous passion in your heart for Jesus, if you're not alive for Jesus Christ, you don't have a permanent place in the family. You're temporary. And the day will come when Jesus will say, okay, you've enjoyed the benefits of worship You've enjoyed the benefits of fellowship. Now you're out of here. I don't know you. I don't recognize you. Remember he he warned of that in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of God and they're going to say, look, wait, we did all these wonderful things. Well, Jesus is saying here in John, but you were temporary and I don't know you. You were hired hands. You weren't really family. And I don't recognize you. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Look look at the context. The context is sin. And if Jesus sets you free of sin you are free indeed. You don't sin anymore. Now, please, I understand that what I'm saying goes against what much of you have been taught. What Jesus was teaching went right against everything these Jewish people had been taught. They were very religious. They went to the synagogue faithfully. They paid their tithes. They participated in the sacrifices. They participated in the feasts. But Jesus is now speaking to them and saying, Because of your sin, these were moral people. What is their sin? The sin is they have no room in their heart for Jesus, they have no room in their heart for the Word of God. They have room in their heart for every other activity, but no room in their heart for Jesus. Some of you have room in your heart for hours of video games. Some of you have room in your heart for many long hours of work as you struggle to get enough money to have a lifestyle that you think you are deserving to have. Some of you don't have any room in your heart for Jesus because your heart is filled with anger and rage and bitterness against somebody, judgments against someone. It's a strange thing to see a person caught up in bitterness and anger and how suddenly their mouth is full of accusations, suspicions, judgments how suddenly prejudice rises in their heart how suddenly they're offended but where did the offense come from they didn't like what was said to them they didn't like what was done well these people are not liking what jesus is saying and they're offended by it. These are the people who are believing in Jesus, but they're offended by Jesus telling them, look, you don't have a permanent place in the family because you still walk in your sin. So, I have to stop and just ask you, are you in the family of god is that a permanent place in the family of god or is that a temporary place remember there were 10 virgins who went out to greet the the groom five were wise and five were foolish so jesus literally now is saying in that parable look draw a line right down the middle of the church half the church is wise half is foolish The foolish ones will be barred from entering they're just temporary help they're not permanent members are you a permanent member of the household of God Jesus is saying in John the 8th chapter the only way you can be a member a permanent member of the household of God is to leave your sin now can I really go down there with you Some of you are going to say, but pastor, and I've heard this so many times, pastor, I can't leave my sin. Jesus just has to understand this is how I am. Wrong. The truth is you want to keep your life and you want to keep a handle on your religion as well. You want to keep your options open You want to maintain your position, your standing socially, your enjoyments, your lifestyle, and you want Jesus too. The only reason a man cannot leave his sin is because he refuses to deny himself and take up his cross and follow Jesus. Now, please, it's going to take every ounce of energy you have. It's going to take your time. It's going to take your money. It's going to take everything to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Your life will be absorbed by the gospel of Jesus. I know. It's costing me, and it has cost me everything. We only live one time, and after that we face the judgment. Now all pastors do not give everything to Jesus. There are hireling pastors who are there for the salary and the prestige and the power. But there are some, both pastors and others, who have utterly laid our lives down for Jesus Christ. And we're not going to reclaim them And so we have missed out on honors the world would grant us if we served it. We have bypassed the friendship of the world. And so there is a hatred and an enmity against us because we serve Jesus. Some people are only concerned about what is proper, what is pleasing. I'm not concerned about what's proper or pleasing. I'm concerned about Jesus and serving him and obeying him and following him with all my heart and walking in the joy of his presence and the celebration of his constant company. That makes everything worthwhile. To walk in the fellowship of the saints is the most awesome thing a man or woman can do. Saints meaning people who have truly given themselves to Jesus Christ. I know you are Abraham's descendants, Jesus said. You are ready to kill me. Because you have no room for my word. I am telling you, what I've seen in the Father's presence and you do not. Now, let me reread that. I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence and you do what you have heard from your Father. Now, these were people who were starting to believe in Jesus, but he doesn't schmooze them. He doesn't politically deal with them. Instead, he tells them the straight truth. There is no room in your heart. There is no room for my word. I guess I want to ask you today, is there room in your heart for the word of God? Is there room in your heart for the word of God? Now, He goes on, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do the things that Abraham did. What did Abraham do? He came running from his tent, welcomed Jesus and the two angels, and then fed them and fellowshiped with them. And Jesus says, am I going to hide from from my servant Abraham what I'm about to do? There was fellowship between them. They protest. They say, we are not illegitimate children. The only father we have is God himself. And Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you because you are unable to hear what I say? You belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there's no truth in him. When he lies he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. He who belongs to God here's what god says the reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to god do you belong to god today have you walked away from all of your known sin have you utterly given over your life into the hand of jesus and I praise God that for some of you listening today, this is true. That some of you who are listening have given your whole heart and life to Jesus Christ. So that if you go to the office, you're going there as a servant of Jesus. If you're going to the, to the store, you're going there as a servant of Jesus. If you're going out to install whatever, you're going as a servant of Jesus Christ. You're going as a fisherman of Jesus to win the lost, to draw them to the heart of Jesus. I praise God for you. But I'm deeply concerned. And I wonder how How do I begin to break through with you? This word that I'm speaking is coming straight out of the book of John the eighth chapter I would guess that you don't hear it preach very often they finally say to Jesus who do you think you are who do you think you are of course Jesus answers them and they're angry and they're ready to stone him to death. They pick up stones to to kill him. But the word says, Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, I want you to get the full impact of that. Jesus left them. Jesus slipped away from them. Has Jesus slipped away from you? Are you left with your sin and your religion? He left these Jewish people with their rituals. He left them with their sacrifices. He left them with their annual feasts, their monthly feasts, their weekly worship on the Sabbath, he left them with all of their religion. And he walked away. And he said, you're going to die in your sin, in the midst of all of your religion. Now, some of you listening are not even pretend Christians. You are Utterly, without God I suspect the only reason you have for listening is Holy Spirit has been moving in your heart and saying you need something some of you are cynical and hard you're good at jokes and you're good at playing you're good at, at just being a, a human being has jesus left you are you searching for jesus are you trying to find him he said in hebrews today is the day of salvation you can repent today today is yet the day of salvation are you willing to turn from your sin I'm not talking now about mistakes we all make mistakes I make mistakes because of my immaturity my lack of understanding no sin in scripture means that I am deliberately turning away from Jesus to my own course and my own way and I am in control of my own life And I run my own life my way. And I have never surrendered myself to this man Jesus. I've never given up the authority over my life. And I've continued to feast on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what a sinner is. I don't walk that way anymore. I have given myself utterly and completely to Jesus. I have laid down my life. I have become a Christian, a Jesus follower, a Christ follower. That's what a Christian is. One who walks away from his world of sin and says, I'm done with it. I'm done with casual talk, I'm done with worldly talk, I'm done with the sports, I'm done with the, I'm done with everything in the world, the flesh and the devil, I'm done with it. I want Jesus. Have you done that? <laughs> There's a revival meeting tonight. It's at the All Saints Anglican Church. We need revival. Well, what is revival? Revival is simply a new decision to obey Jesus. It is a new level of obedience, of being sold out. When I say revival, it presupposes that there is backsliding. What is backsliding? Giving up on following Jesus and following my own way. Walking in my own wisdom. Walking in my own pleasure. Walking in my own lust. Choosing that I will run my own life. That's a backslidden person. That's a sinner. A backslidden person is not a saved person. They are lost. And they will die in their sin if they are not revived Now, to be very straight with you, you have to leave the world, the flesh, and the devil behind. And you have to decide, I'm going to follow Jesus. So a revival meeting is an opportunity for you to come together with other like-minded people and begin to search after Jesus Christ. It's an opportunity for you to come in a public setting and repent of your sin and get clean with Jesus. Something happens when we gather together. When we're by ourselves, it's easy to deceive ourselves and convince ourselves that our sin is not that serious. God is so serious about sin it breaks his heart because he loves you but at the same time he is so filled with wrath against rebellion and sin and the day will come when God will allow the sinner and will take the sinner and cast them into the fire and there will be no mercy there will be no prayer of repentance it will be over you will have spent your whole life pursuing your own goals and your own desires and you'll come to that last hour And Jesus says there will be gnashing of teeth and weeping because it will dawn finally upon our soul that it's over. We've been found out. We hate God. That's what happens to the sinner. I don't want that to happen to you. I want you to understand, and I want you to take steps now. Come to the revival meeting. I'm going to give you the address. It's at the All Saints Anglican Church, and it's located at 14851 Gideon Drive in Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. It's literally 11 miles from 495. 495 down 95 easy access will you come God is looking right now at your heart should he walk away from you should he hide himself from you have you hardened your heart against the Lord so that there's no possibility you're going to get serious with Jesus and my heart cries out for you I'm inviting you to come it begins at 730 tonight the doors will open at 7 you're welcome to come This is a a joint meeting between the National Prayer Chapel and the All Saints Anglican Church. And last meeting we held, there were five different churches represented. So you're welcome. Come and get right with Jesus. Come and repent. Prepare your heart now begin to pray now and come with a heart open and ready to receive the word of God and to repent. So many times in the kindness and mercy and love of Jesus he speaks to us and he opens the door for us. But if there's no room in our hearts for his word The day will come when he will walk away. And then all that will remain is the wrath of God on your life. And there will be no possibility of salvation. You will be cast into the fires of hell. That's frightening to me. It's terrifying. I don't want to see that happen to you. Are you Are you clear that you truly belong to the Lord? Or are you still in your sin? Do you still get angry? Do you still blow up? Do you still curse? Do you still judge others with bitterness and rancor in your heart? Are you still fornicating? Are you still lusting after the things of darkness? Are you still sitting in front of the TV with your beer, drinking in the darkness? Are you still stealing, lying, cheating? Then you need to repent. Are you still indifferent and cold of heart and not reading the word and not praying? Then you need to repent. We're almost out of time for today's broadcast. We have an opportunity to go to the FM dial. For so long I've been praying that we could do this. We need your help to do it, though. We have a builder's campaign, $10,000, to open the way. If you go to nationalprayerchapel.com, go to the builder's campaign, there's $5,500 in the account. We need the full 10000 I invite you to pray about what part you should have in that. I also ask, please, would you consider becoming a regular sponsor, a supporter, a partner with Pilgrim's Progress? You can give by writing to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I'd love to hear from you. Every day I go to the post office And I pray, Lord, fill the box. I'm looking to hear from you. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to the webpage, revivalnow.church. That's revivalnow.church, and all the details about the revival movement. You can find there and you can participate. Now let's pray. Almighty God, you came, Jesus, and walked upon this earth and men had enmity, hatred toward you and when you began to deal with their sin, they wanted to kill you. And then, Lord, when Stephen began to deal with their sin, they did stone him to death. Lord, always there has been this bitter hatred toward you and toward those who stand for righteousness and call people to repent. Lord, would you move now in the hearts of each one who's listening? Would you bring a willingness to repent? For surely they have the ability. Would you prompt them by grace to repent and turn from their sin? Lord, thank you. I bless your holy name and I praise and worship you. I love you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor at the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I look forward to hearing from you and to seeing you tonight. I'll talk to you soon. Now, one, two.